He's got one foot in the frying pan and one in the pressure cooker. Believe me, as a bowler, I know that right about now, your bladder feels like an overstuffed vacuum cleaner bag, and your butt is kind of like an about-to-explode bratwurst. Hey, you mind? I wasn't talking when you were bowling. Was I talking out loud? Welcome to Munson's at the Movies. My name is Kyle. I'll once again be your host here with the rest of the Munson's. Want to give them a wide berth. He's what is called a born loser. A real Munson. <laughs> and this is normally when we would talk about what's going on in our worlds, but we just want to, we're all coming out of Thanksgiving. I think we're all lingering a little bit from turkey stuffing and all the, all the fixings. Substantially fatter. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Uh, some of us uh, gained five to ten pounds. We won't say who those people are, but we're most of all happy to have Rigby back. Welcome back, friend. Thank you. Ooh. Thank you, guys. Happy Welcome to be back, back, buddy. We missed you, man. Thank you. Missed you guys too. We didn't have the fairness we normally do. You didn't have the fairness. You didn't have the giggle, right? <laughs> None of the scores were fair. <laughs> uh, no, we had the giggle. Craig superimposed it in in the editing process <laughs> after Warren's joke. So we had that. We nailed that. But we're excited to bring another guest in with us, uh, Jeff Swatkins, a.k.a. Swatty. He was born and raised in Guilford, Connecticut. He moved to Boston in 07 for work and moved back to Connecticut recently to pursue a career in nursing. So we got ourselves a male nurse with us. Uh, he's currently living and working in Boston. He enjoys watching films, which is why he's here as one of our guest Munsons. Music, hiking, swimming, and cooking. Welcome, Jeff. Welcome, Swatty. Thank you, guys. What up, buddy? Welcome aboard. Hey, buddy. Welcome. Thank you very much. Good to be here. Yeah, man. We got we got four former swimmers in here. We've got oh nice. We got everything yeah. in here for you. Looking forward to talking a little bit of movies with you, my friend. Already, I'm ready for it. All right, birthday is December third. What do you got, Warren? December third. First off, we got Amanda Seyfried uh, from Mean Girls, Alpha Dog, Les Mis, A Million Ways to Die in the West, Mama Mia's, and Jennifer's Body. It's Jennifer's Body. Thirty-two. Thirty-three. Warren. Damn it. All right, thirty-three. Thirty-two. What else? Give me thirty. Thirty-five. You got thirty-five. Yep. Thirty. Thirty. Yeah. Give me thirty-eight. All right, Swatty with thirty-five on the dot. Nice. All right, all right. Welcome aboard. Start uh-huh. on. <laughs> guy's killing it. <laughs> Next up, we got Brendan Fraser from The Mummies, Airheads, and Sino Man, and your choice of Looney Tunes back in action, Monkey Bone, Dudley Do Right, and Furry Vengeance. <laughs> George of the Jungle, <laughs> baby. <Yep>. Yeah. <sighs> Jeff, if you get this one right as well, we're going to accuse you of cheating and Googling it, so just be aware. Okay. It's 51. I was going to say 52. 49. God, come on. 55. 56. 52 on the dot, Craig. Oh, ridiculous. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. All right. Last but not least, we got Julianne Moore, Big Lebowski, Evolution, Crazy Stupid Love, and Next. <laughs> Those are all the movies she's well known for. <laughs> yes, I know. <laughs> I'm going to go 55 as well, Warren. She's a legend, man. Evolution's great. <laughs> 46. 50. 52. 58. All right. 60. Wow. Holy what? Yeah. I was like, she's definitely up there. I was going to yeah. say 60, but I was like, she's up in the upper 50s. Sweet Damn, sweet 60. I thought she was younger. Th- I thought you guys were being mean. No, nope. she was great. <laughs> she's she's nope. been in the game and looks great. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Damn. Thanks, Warren. Yep. So we've got five actors that we threw onto the wheel from our super mega list of actors. Those five were. Tracy Morgan, Robin Wright, Diane Kruger, Salma Hayek, and Christina Applegate. And we're going to cover Applegate. So we're going back a ways. We're going back to the 70s on this one because she's been acting a long time. Mm -hmm. Uh, But before we get into any of that, 
uh, we talked a little bit of actor trivia. James? Yeah, so Swati, uh, what I do here is I, I do two truths and a lie. Uh, two of the facts you're going to hear are true. One of the facts is actually going to be about one of the actors from the Fast and Furious franchise. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> you guys got to guess which is which. The first fact is that uh, she had a he, she had her daughter at the age of 39 years old. Her second fact is that she once had to wear a wig during filming because she purposely dyed her hair purple, which was not the color of her character's hair. And the third fact is that she had a starring role as a child on the soap opera As the World Turns, and her character's name was Nikki Munson. Whoa. Nice. <laughs> Whoa. Hmm. So I'm going to actually say it's number three. And as the world turns, uh, it was it was Nikki was short for Nicholas, and that was actually Rob Delaney who played Loeb from uh, uh, Hobbs Delaney. and Shaw. <laughs> oh my god, he's a great Twitter follow. Yeah, that's hilarious. I think it's number two. I'm taking a stab at this one. I actually think that was the star of Hobbs and Shaw, Kevin Hart, who played Air Marshal Dinkley. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think three is the lie too, and I'm going to say that. Eva Mendes had a starring or a guest starring role, and she was Nikki Munson. Give me a uh, give me number three as well, and I believe it was John Ortiz who played Braga. Uh, yeah, I was going to go with number three as well, but I didn't have like a creative response for why. That's fair. I, gonna, um, <laughs> I didn't have. A, I, I didn't know. It was, I would have it's to be that creative. No, you don't have. I to. was going to go just... with three is the lie. I was like, it just. <laughs> I was like, well, I also thought number one, too, because I was like, 39's really late to be having a child. I was like, but I guess it's possible if you have money. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I'll go with three is the lie. So, uh, yeah, you don't have to be creative in the response. That's just something that's happened recently. And it really throws me off my game because I laugh and I don't know how to give things away or not give them away. But, yeah, one of you guys nailed it. It was absolutely Kevin Hart who was dying his hair purple. No. Um, <laughs> damn it. All right. So, uh, fact number one is, in fact, true. She did actually have her daughter at the age of 39. And as people who are in the ripe age of declaring when they want to start having kids, I also was blown away uh, by how late she had her kid. Fact number two is, in fact, true as well. She once had to wear a wig during the filming of uh, Married with Children because she dyed her hair purple. And immediately the producers are like, what the hell are you doing? And they had to put a wig <laughs> on her during that. Oh, that's uh, hilarious. Yeah. And fact number three, um, no, she was not Nikki Munson in As the World Turns. She actually did have a small role as a kid in a soap opera. I believe we'll get into that a little bit later. But Jordana Brewster is officially oh. a Munson. I was blown away oh, when no. I saw that. Wow. Oh, that is interesting. Wow. That's awesome. Good, good call. Those are good. A real Munson. <laughs> Perfect. All right, Case, tell us a little bit about her uh, snapshot in box office history. Feature film-wise, you know, she doesn't have a lot of stuff where she's the primary actor or actress in it. You know, when comparing her to everybody else on our list, she actually ranks the lowest, 24th, in both critic and fan rankings. Oh. On the 22 movies I have on her spreadsheet, she is only averaging a 35 for critic ranking, which is 8% lower than number 23. Before we dig into our first feature film, which is in 1991. So she's been a member of SAG, the Screen Actors Guild, since 1974, um, when she was three years old. So she's been heavily involved in the industry since she was young. In fact, as James alluded to earlier, 
Uh, she was on Days of Our Lives in an episode in 1972 as a toddler, followed by a diaper commercial. And um, she didn't have her, I guess, her first major like legitimate role until 1981 in Jaws of Satan, where she plays a character named Kim. I don't think any of us have seen it, uh, but that was technically her first role if you look on her IMDb profile. Um, she did a lot of other smaller parts um, in those early years, including the new Leave it to Beaver in 1985 to 1986, one episode each year. Uh, but her career really took off um, in 1987 when she took on the character of Kelly Bundy in Married with Children, playing a sassy, sitcom, funny human. Yeah, it's just a hilarious show. Like, Fantastic. You can go back and watch it now, and it's... It's on Hulu. Can you imagine being on a show like this starting at age 16? Like, yeah. she was 16 to 26. Mm. You know, you had Ed O'Neill, who was, you know, he gets bigger and bigger, you know, in Hollywood. And uh, also with uh, uh, Siegel. Katie Siegel. Yeah, she gets bigger and bigger as well. So it's, I, I recommend go back and watching the show. It's It's hilarious. It was like the first show that, introduced a young james to like overtly sexual comedy yeah and yeah my little brain couldn't comprehend like is his wife trying to fuck him all the time and he's not wanting <laughs> to have sex with her like i don't get it and now like, i bet if i rewatch it now it's like oh that's pretty funny but at the time like i couldn't understand what was like going on there and i do remember being like wow kelly bundy's the hottest chick i've ever seen in my life mm -hmm. but now you mentioning that she was 16 when she started like uh were they sexualizing that character then yes. too yeah and my yes. assumption is they were you know what i didn't watch it until she was 18 and that's when i fully realized <laughs> how <it was> sexy. <laughs> you didn't you were really into it until season three yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. <laughs> until 90 you know 1990 or so yeah, once once they changed out the new Jefferson next door, then then he got really big into it. <laughs> and it's a good lead into her character, James, because I I went back and rewatched uh, just like highlights of her in the show, and it's it's like her character was just designed to be the the person who would walk in and the entire crowd would catcall her, and she'd be wearing like this skimpy tight outfit, and she'd say something sassy, and that was kind of like her character. She, yeah. Mm -hmm almost every episode I saw her in. It definitely set the stage for like her roles in everything moving forward. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They, they found exactly what she's great at. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, it really does kind of typecast her for the rest of her career. Yeah, one of the things that that show did really differently than what a lot of the other shows were doing was, you know, Ed O'Neill's character. You know, if you look at this show compared to like um, All in the Family, where Archie is like this real alpha dog who just kind of takes it out on everybody else and then occasionally eats shit. Ed O'Neill is the exact opposite. Mm -hmm. That guy can't get a win. And um, <laughs> and Christina Applegate is really good at, at really kind of taking him down a peg or two. It's really fun to watch that. And I think somebody brought it up a couple episodes ago about The Simpsons. And if I'm not mistaken, I think, wasn't this and The Simpsons both on Fox? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Was it also Malcolm in the Middle? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was yeah. like three yeah. dipshit dads on the same channel. <laughs> <laughs> Don't underestimate that Married with Children had one of the most iconic theme songs of all time. Introduced mm -hmm. a lot of people to Sinatra at that point, too. Yeah. Dude, like, that used to be a wedding song, and now, like, you never hear that. I, that's true. I, I, haven't, I haven't heard 
love and marriage maybe ever at a wedding. Yeah, that's a good point. I think it reminds people too much of the show. Yeah, exactly. Everybody starts thinking about married with children, not about the moment of right, what's going the on at the wedding. Show is about how like he doesn't enjoy being married with children. Yep. I mean, pretty iconic theme song. I mean, that show was so popular, you guys. It typecast four people for decades. Yeah. I can't think of another thing, but I don't even know Bud's name. Yeah. I can't think of another thing he's in. Uh, he was in uh, Entourage, wasn't it? Probably. Rigby, you would know this. Rigby's got like six of his movies lined up. No, I don't. I, I don't think I do either. I'm, you said that. And I was trying to think off the top of my head. David Fostino? Yeah. I don't know. He did have a spinoff show at one point that she was on. Yeah. But that's, that's all I know of his. And then a couple more appearances. She was on Family Ties in 87. She was on... 21 Jump Street in 88. She was on a couple TV movies that they were on, they're available on YouTube if you want to check them out. First one's called Dan- Dance Till Dawn, came out in 88. She plays a character named Patrice, a really stuck up, I'm better than you character. But what's interesting about this movie is you see a really young Alyssa Milano and Matt Perry in that movie. I think it's Alyssa Milano's like fourth movie that she did. It was like two movies after she did Commando. Mm-hmm. Did not expect that at all. And, uh, the Matt Perry connection comes in later as we're going to talk about friends. Matt Perry, before he was Matthew. <laughs> Good old Matty Perry. I'm trying to get through, but Matthew Perry here won't let me through security. <laughs> <laughs> and then she's in a movie called Streets as Dawn in 1990, which she plays a hooker, which is a little bit out of the, uh, the zone, I suppose. Um, it's a cop revenge plot. Completely ridiculous. And the, the reason I pointed out is because if you go online and look at the, the reviews, there are so many people online who say that her performance is like a tour de force. And I don't know what kind of drugs these people are on in 1990 or <laughs> in the last 30 years. I can't figure that out. But mm-hmm. she's fine. It's, it's a very low budget TV movie from back in the day. And I wouldn't say tour de force is what I would use to describe her. Maybe they're using it like ambitious. <laughs> yeah ironically i don't who knows yeah. but they're available on youtube if you want if you want to see some early applegate stuff better or worse than the master <laughs> much worse than the master much much worse well you gotta think that the the producers of married with children were protecting her from any sort of roles so it's crazy that they let her play a hooker yeah at 18 yeah jeez. this is 1990 she was a baby her character's supposed to be like a heroin addicted hooker and you just never get that sense so i damn kind of a weird role to play i guess did she have purple hair in that movie that's the question (laughs) she did not that could be the role very blonde very very blonde in that one 91 uh, we've run into her first feature film and that's don't tell mom the babysitter's dead and rigby's got this one don't tell mom the babysitter's dead is a 91 teen comedy featuring the the aforementioned christina applegate in her first major film role She's a high school graduate who has her mom leaves leaves town to go to Australia for a two-month vacation. Christina Applegate plays uh, Sue Ellen. She is a recent high school graduate, and her mom spends a two-month uh, vacation in Australia, leaving her and her four siblings, leaving her and Christina Applegate's four siblings alone for the summer. But little does she know that the mom hired a babysitter to watch over the kids for the whole summer. Um, within, But within the first... 15 minutes of the movie, the babysitter dies of natural causes, and Sue Ellen, <laughs> played by Applegate, her and the four siblings are left to fend for themselves. They're both, they're all kind of slackers, you know, never do well type kids who don't have a lot of money. So basically, their their job is to find a way to A, not tell the mom that the babysitter's dead, judge it based off the title of the movie, and find a way to get food, shelter, and just basically make sure make sure they don't get 
kicked out of the house uh, during the summer, basically, make sure they can still have enough money to survive. And so what happens is Sue Ellen gets a job at a big office. Um, she becomes an executive. She lies about her references on her resume. And next thing you know, she's a career woman at the age of 17. And mm-hmm. she's sort of thrust into this job in this fashion at this fashion company. And it's about her trying to watch over her siblings who are, again, sort of unreliable. They don't do chores. They're not very good kids. And it's, so she has to balance that as well as her newfound career. I hadn't seen this movie in 20 years. I actually thought it was, I remember it more being like a, a weekend at Bernie's type thing where like they try to, mm-hmm. they try to like act like the babysitter is alive and fool people and not make it public. But that's not really how it goes at all. I mean, the movie is more like, it's more like big where a, a, a young girl who is thrust into mm-hmm. yeah. uh, having to fend for herself. That's kind of what it's like. I, but I didn't, I don't know. I almost would have preferred it would have been more like weekend at Bernie's where they try to do all these elaborate hoaxes on people. Yeah. yeah. To make sure that I get that weekend at Bernie's had already come out. So maybe they thought it was going to be a little copycatty, but that's really not what the movie's about at all. She, it's kind of has a, a big type feel to it where she gets hit on by, you know, people she works with and she gets sexualized and she can probably thank married with children for, for being type or being cast in this role. But she's probably the best part of the movie. She's in, she is the main driver of the movie. She's in every scene basically, but overall the movie is not very good. It was one of those where I was like, Oh God, can this, this can't get over soon enough because it's not very funny. Um, I get that it, it's kind of a cult classic, but I just don't think it's aged very well. It's super, super late 80s, early 90s with the clothes and the hair. Yeah. If, this, if they made this movie today, I'd be interested to see how they do it because if this, this movie would not be possible with cell phones and the internet and all that stuff. But, but overall, good for, for a movie that put her on the map aside from you know launched her film career, I think this was a good one to start because she really does drive the movie. She's funny. She's got some good lines in it. But overall, the the movie is not one to to write home about. If I'm being honest, yeah, I thought your comment about it being like in your mind similar to like Weekend at Bernie's. I remember I went back and watched it um, maybe a year ago, and I went in. I was like, "This is like Camp Nowhere, right? Where it's just like the mm-hmm. kids are at home and they're taking mm-hmm. care of themselves. Like, and by the end, they learn this big lesson of like how to live and coexist together, right?" I was I was way off. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Yeah, I, yeah. Maybe I just watched Camp Nowhere and uh, thought it was this one. <laughs> it's so funny. Like literally, the first day that the mom goes on vacation, she calls and she's like, "I want to talk to the babysitter." And she's like, "Oh, she's not here. Like she's out. She's out running an errand or something." And then like two months go by, and the mom never calls back and asks, "Like, okay, what the fuck is going on? Where is the babysitter?" <laughs> like there, there needed to be more of that storyline i think because that's what the title is and it's that's really not what the movie's about at all it's kind of misleading i really thought so if it came out today mom's mom's going to jail for five to ten for (laughs) negligence (laughs) exactly (laughs) Exactly. so that that's me kind of being nitpicky about the plot but i don't know i was just kind of expecting it to be a little more enjoyable David Duchovny with a yeah a young 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 role creepy David Duchovny slick back hair and a young Josh Lucas too Right, oh, right. Yeah, that's right. Josh Charles, Josh Charles, Josh Charles. That's yeah, it. David Duchovny. I mean, there's not really like an antagonist in the movie. There's just a lot of like creepy sleaze balls, and he he and John Getz are are two of them. Mm-hmm. But I'd give it a thumbs down if I was on the Siskel and Ebert rating scale. But thumbs up for her uh, for launching her film career. You had some good points. 
Um, <laughs> but you're an idiot, is what we're trying to get at. No, I mean, no, no, I, uh, <laughs> no, I think it. They did try to make the movie more like adult than fun, and I like I rewatched this like two weeks ago, and I found myself like looking at my phone and starting to do other things mm-hmm. towards the end of the movie because I was like. Okay, we know the plot. Yeah, here. it really drags. It really drags. I thought. Like, for me, what made it nostalgic was like the soundtrack. Like I thought it had some good, like random songs pop up in the movie, and I was like, "Oh, this this is very '80s." It's one of those movies that has a lot of name value, like a lot of name recognition still to this day. And for her first feature film, we've covered other people's first feature films with movies that no one's ever heard of, and no one will ever hear of it unless they listen to our podcast. And so good for her being at least being in a movie that's got some name recognition. Yeah. Yeah. And to be the, I mean, to be the lead role in your first big movie, yeah. I think that's a, that's saying something. So yeah, she did make the movie. It was all her role that made it. Yep. Yeah. And she was not even 20 years old when it came out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I have no issues with her performance. I think she was perfectly fine for what the role demanded and did a pretty good job as a young actress. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So we've got 10 years before we get to largest audience gap. Riding off the backs of No Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead and her continuous work in Married with Children, she hosted SNL in 93 and is part of what is probably you top three. Ask anyone, probably top five SNL sketches of all time. Van Down by the River has to be in there for most people. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just showed it to my wife. And it was her first time watching it. What? And I was, wow. I, I, almost, I, was, I was blown away. What was her reaction? How'd she react? She was, she was laughing her ass off. Okay, good. Yeah. So we're still married. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, kick her out. I saw recently, um, forget, it might have been honoring uh, Chris Farley, but it was, they interviewed the person who he named that character after. Yeah. What Chris Farley would do is when he was doing improv comedy, he would just like name a character after some, one of his friends that he hung out with that day. And it was a pastor who is a friend of yep. his. And he just like, spit it out and it's stuck and it's one of the most iconic matt foley yeah matt foley there you go it's one of the most iconic snl skits of all time <laughs> and pastor matt foley's like i and i still hear it every day no matter what i'm I doing am a people bring speaker. <laughs> the, the best part of that sketch is when he's going through it and david spade is trying not to laugh yep at the he's trying to stay in character but just losing his mind because they're best friends yeah and he knows he's delivering comedic gold. He created that whole that whole character, that whole skit when he was working for Second City. Mm. He couldn't get any of his any of his skits through, but yet everybody on Saturday Night Live wanted him. And so finally, Lauren Michaels was like, "All right, we'll do this skit." And so he actually went up to Christina Applegate and warned her that that you know Chris Farley wanted to do this skit that they've never tried. You know, he really couldn't tell her how it was going to go. And I'm pretty sure that that skit was buried at the back of that episode when it first came out. But if you watch it now on streaming, it's like the second or third skit in the whole show. But it was nobody expected that to go as well as it did. I'm sure they put into a primetime slot after that. Yeah. So for our listeners that may have not seen this before, uh, when you do watch it, she's the one that says, I want to live in a van down by the river, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> which is one of the better jokes of the sketch. Huh. My favorite line of hers, actually, is when... The parents inform the kids that the cleaner <laughs> found their weed, and she, and she just blurts out, "She didn't smoke it, did she?" <laughs> oh god! Oh, that's good. Well, before her next role, uh, she was a couple personal weird facts about her. So in '93, she was at the Viper Room the night that uh, River Phoenix died. 
witnessed his seizure. Oh, wow. Holy shit. Oh, wow. And she was pretty young at the time, so I'm sure she was hanging out in the club scenes, uh, but that's a pretty important time in in the world of Hollywood. And then also, in 1995, a little-known is actually one of the founding members of the Pussycat Dolls. She was their MC, and the Pussycat Dolls actually started in her garage. Crazy, right? Really weird. Wait, you mean... Which Pussycat Dolls are we talking yeah, about? Yeah, I was like, not the Nicole Scherzinger <laughs> Pussycat Dolls. So yeah, didn't like, this come what? out like 20 years later? Yeah, she's the founding member of that group. Yeah. What? It's like the early, early days of it. That is wild. They had members that kind of came and went through it, but she was, she was definitely part of that founding group. That's a fun fact. So it was just like a bunch of hot chicks hanging out, and they found out like two or three of them could sing, and you want to make a band? Is that why... I'm trying. Oh, I need to know more. That's <laughs> what happened. That's what happened to the Go Go's. So why couldn't it happen to them? For real? Weren't a bunch of the girls like burlesque dancers first too before they kind of joined this? That's how they got really big off the dancing. I I not like James to where I got super interested, and in, after I just learned that fact, I was like, I gotta write that down. Holy shit! Oh, dude, you gotta go down rabbit holes like me, man. You'll end up on like her MySpace page from '94, and you're like, where am I at right now? What is her profile song? That's what I want. <laughs> right, exactly. Oh, wow. It was a burlesque show, and and they did different things. It, it just was kind of like a fun fun thing to do, and then the kind of the choreographer i guess or i don't know exactly she's been with it the whole time and she's been the one that's been kind of revolving people in and out okay wild that is wild it's bizarre it's so bizarre hey christina is uh she's she's done about everything in the in the industry at this point yeah 95 she's in a movie called wild bill played a character named lurline it's almost insulting that that she's a part of this movie she's got about (laughs) 30 seconds of film time, yet she's one of the top build people. Jesus. She's on the preview, and she's on the movie poster. That's... And so they clearly were cashing in on her, on, her, uh, on her name notoriety. You just described every B movie with Danny Trejo right there. <laughs> yep. 100%. Yeah. 96, kept the hosting duties going. She uh, hosted Mad TV. Remember Mad TV, boys? Yep. Mm-hmm. Dude, it was good. Back in the day. I enjoyed Mad TV. Yeah. She hit the circuit, did SNL, and then did Mad TV. Uh, 96 as well. She was in Mars Attacks, plays a character named Sharona. Jack Black's uh, girlfriend? Yes, I believe so. There's like 80 famous actors in that movie. It's a huge cast. That's one of those movies where, like James said, there's so many famous people that you I don't even remember her. And I, I don't even remember Jack Black being in that. So I remember Jack go. Nicholson dying very <laughs> quickly. <laughs> Let me guess, Jack Black sings My Sharona. <laughs> <laughs> He's like the first person shot by the aliens and disintegrates on TV. <laughs> Ooh, okay. I might, I might like this movie then. Rewatch it. You've oh, never seen Mars Attacks? Dude, Mars Attacks. I don't think I ever have. Oh, very God. stupid and good. It's, it is bad, but Dude, it's entertaining. Those aliens are iconic. They the are. The way they look <laughs> in the, those bubble helmets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like purposely <laughs> like bad. They have like chia yeah. pet heads. <laughs> so I've got two thoughts on that. One, given how many actors you guys have already name dropped, the fact that this is the first time we've talked about it in 24 episodes blows me away. Crazy. And two... We're probably going to end up talking about Mars Attacks in like two episodes from now based on what you just told me. So we'll see. Oh yeah, because you configure the wheel. No, I would never. <laughs> it's because <laughs> never you're a liar and a thief. 98. She's in the big hit. Plays a character named Pam. And let me tell you, if you guys haven't seen the big hit, watch it just for our boy Lou Diamond Phillips. Because my man is eccentric as hell in that movie. I love it. <laughs> go out of your way. Watch it. 
because Lou Diamond Phillips' character is ridiculous in this movie. He plays kind of like a, he's got like a gold front tooth. He's like this gangster with an accent. It's really funny. He play, he plays a pretty good bad guy. In the movie. It's a Mark Wahlberg movie, right? Yep. Very young Marky Mark. Does he play like a pseudo racist meathead? No. Oh, cool. Because that's what he plays in every other movie. <laughs> he's, well, he's he's the protagonist in in this, like he is in every other movie as well. But he, uh, you know, he and uh, Lou Diamond Phillips have an epic battle scene in the movie. Slight spoiler, but not enough to give you any anything that's going to truly spoil. And uh, Applegate has a Long Island accent, so James, there you go, something for you to check out as well. This is how you can tell me if it's a good one. Is it? Does it ruin her attractiveness when you hear her talk? No, no. Then it's not a good Long Island accent. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, it's not so egregious that you're like, I can't stand. Be like, I just need to leave talk. the room. Thank you. Like yeah. you, you feel like you're in a room with Fran Drescher, but the Long right. Island version. One yes, of those. correct. Yeah, got it. No, I think you're good there. Mafia, 1998, put a character named Diane. Pretty big role. This movie is awesome. I think it's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> it's 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 a terrible movie, but it really hits on like every single mob movie and i think it does a pretty funny job of it yeah she she ends up playing um uh michael corleone's wife and there whoever she would end up i can't remember her name from the godfather but she ends mm-hmm. up becoming the president of the u.s <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's like a it's like a scary movie satire right but just of mafia movies yeah that's exactly what it is it's uh it's intense <laughs> It's great. And she's she's hilarious in it, too. Um, that gift you sent the other day, Warren, where she walks in and she's like, ooh, Italian food. <laughs> it's so funny. Armani Windbreaker Cortini is one of my favorites. Oh, it's great. If you haven't seen Mafia, I hope it, I don't know if it's on a streaming service, but it's fantastic. Go watch it. So two movies in a row. High recommendations. Big hit. Mafia. Um, 98 to 2000, she was on Jesse. She played a character named Jesse Warner. Um, she got a Golden Globe nom for Best Actress for her role in that show. But she's got a ton of awards recognition for her TV work over the years. Yeah, A lot of nominations, a few wins, but definitely more so on the TV than the movie side in terms of awards. 2000, uh, she's in a, a movie with another movie we're covering that has two titles, The Giving Tree slash Shaded Places. So depending where you're looking, you're going to find one or the other in her character, much like Alison Brie Last week, well, I forget the movie we were talking about with Brie, but her character commits suicide, and the whole movie is about her bringing together all these high school friends, including Molly Ringwald, who is, I guess, the only other marquee actor in the movie, to uh, come together and basically relive trauma. It's kind of dark. It's a really dark movie. This also was her first role alongside Jonathan Shake. I believe they met on set during this movie, and she has three three different movies that she's in with him. He's the um, he's the pretty guy in that thing you do. Yep, the one who leaves the band at a certain point. Oh, I didn't know that. I think it's Sheck. I got to the third movie that she was in with him, and I recognize. I was like, damn it, she's in a lot with him. And a quick Wikipedia shirt tells me that they were married at one point. So there you go. Um, and this is also she's a good crier. That's what I noticed from this movie too. She. Her whole character is about emotional breakdown. She does a pretty good job in that role. And then finally, um, before Largest Audience Gap, in 2001, she was in a movie called Prince Charming. She played a character named Kate. And it is the it is a broke-ass version of the movie Enchanted. She yes. basically plays Patrick Dempsey in a flip of the story. Mixed team. So. And that takes us to Largest Audience Gap in 2002. And that's the sweetest thing. 
and I'm covering this one this week. I mean, it's been around for 20 years, so I have a feeling probably most people have seen it. It's largest audience gap because it's got a 26-65 split on Rotten Tomatoes. So the critics are wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's a 20, 26 from the critics on this one, which is wild. It's way funnier than that. Yeah, it's absolutely funnier than a 26. It's definitely funnier than 26. That's a perfect transition because this movie is extremely filthy. Yeah. And I think that's the reason it gets knocked from uh-huh. from the critics because it's filth humor. It's a lot, like a lot of movies we enjoy, like Grandma's Boy. It's extremely filthy. Critics hate it, but it's still fantastic. Right? This is the same kind of concept. To a certain point, I can understand if people don't necessarily like the, the storyline, but in terms of the jokes, I had only seen probably the first 10 minutes before. I'd I recognize the whole scene with Cameron Diaz in the bar and um, the whole bathroom scene with Applegate and the fake boobs and women touching her butt, her boobs. Yeah. And <laughs> I was like, oh, I've seen this. But then you can I, touch yeah. them. They're real. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then in the, end, in the end credits, you learn that there's, a, there's some artificial covering there. Um, Go ahead. Touch it. She likes it. <laughs> basic, <laughs> basic gist if you haven't seen this it's a girl finds she is forced to educate herself on the etiquette of wooing the opposite sex when she finally meets Mr. Wright she's a cynic when it comes to dating kind of a serial dater and hooking up with guys all the time and ends up falling for a guy who at one point is supposed to get married to Piper Parabo or whatever the hell her name is um, it's not Piper Parabo pa- Parker Posey, <laughs> Parker Posey. Yeah. I always mix those two up I was like no it's the same director who did Cruel Intentions and Just Friends, Roger Cumble. Mm. It's like this weird collection of random cameos of actors who are a little bit more known now. So like James Mangold, the director, plays a doctor in the movie. Jonathan Shake is in there, plays leather coat guy at the bar. Frank Gallo is in it as one of the suckers at the beginning of the movie. Uh, Jason Bateman plays an absolute sleazeball mm. um, character as, a, as the main character's best friend. Um, he at one point he says, "Don't be gay in God's house." I laughed pretty hard at that part. Um, and uh, Eric Stolhansky from Broken Lizard Crew. He's in the he's in the BJ scene, which I know. Yeah, yeah. He, he <laughs> oh it's God, it's yeah. a very limited. I mean, he's in, on the screen for like five seconds, but you know, it's funny. They're like the the blowjob myth dream at the at the start of the movie had me laughing my ass off. That part was hilarious. <laughs> yeah. He's like, "Can I go down on you for the next?" You know. Every day for the next 30 minutes. Um, oh, guys don't like blowjobs. That's a myth. That's complete bullshit. Like, <laughs> I enjoy this. They invented it in the 50s. <laughs> oh, my God. And then the the scene where Selma Blair takes her dress in to get, get the, the semen off of it. That's uh, my wife's favorite scene. By <laughs> you guys suck. No, apparently you do. And you do really well. <laughs> you got to tell that- me what this stain is. It's I can't get it off if you don't tell me what the stain is. And I'm like... I'm- <laughs> It's so good. And after that, her teacher, like high school teacher shows up, her priest shows up, a bunch of kids show up. And so it just gets really messy in that scene. And based on what I could find about Applegate, I, you know, I learned out, learned pretty quickly through some YouTube searches that she's a pretty filthy human. And so the idea of her peeing in the urinal and doing all these shenanigans was, I think, pretty aligned with who she is as a person outside of it, you know. Shoot the messenger if you'd like, but um, it's just a it's a it's a fun role for her, and uh, you know I I enjoyed the movie. the the my one the one part I I get perturbed about is the fact that the penis song, which she won an award for for like stinker song of the year, uh, is not available 
uh, online anywhere, or it's not available in the actual movie. You have to search online for it, which is pretty weird. Um, but I guess they decided that the theatrical cut was better without it. Well, they've made this movie a ton of times about a guy being like the one who can't commit and all this stuff. And so the fact that they went the other way with the female being the one and the guys are constantly trying to chase them. I think that's, you know, they didn't really do anything different other than just kind of flip the script a little bit. But then by the end, they still kind of make her this like, not really, I guess not really a damsel in distress, but like, I don't know. Uh, I think if you like, you go in, you know, exactly what you're getting into and it's funny. There's definitely funny parts, but when you, if you pay even like a little bit of attention to like what they're doing, it's, there's some a stupid ass part. Like, when Tom Jane comes up to her at the end, when he comes back and he's like, Oh my gosh, you know, I, I drove all the way here and all this stuff. And he was asleep on their, her like porch yeah. on her stoop. He starts walking up the hill and she walks inside and she's like, Oh, I'm going to go chase after him. She walks she outside and way. she looks, she looks down the <laughs> fucking hill. And she's like yelling his I'm glad I'm not the only one who noticed. Yeah. That, that I mean, but, I, but that's not a reason to like knock the movie because it's still funny. And I, I'll definitely watch it again in like a couple years because it's 85 minutes long and that's kind of the fun stuff about it. So that's true. And it's nice and short. I kind of wish they went even dirtier with it because that's just what makes it better. Mm-hmm. Yep. When this movie first came out, I, based on the preview and even the title, I was like, this looks like the type of rom-com that I have no interest in watching. I'm like 14 at the time. Uh, and then I saw it was rated R, and I was like, what the hell could that be about? And then when I finally got around to watching it, it I think it was the raunchiness and how like dirty the movie is that made it funny to mm-hmm. me. Like, mm-hmm. like uh, They have a three-minute bit about cum. That's a funny yeah. scene. Like, like the guy is like the the old like Italian uh, laundry. Uh, the guy who owns the laundry cleaners is like, you got to tell me how to get this comment. Like, I don't know what this is. This isn't. This isn't he licks Jane. it. He yeah, he's like, like, I don't know what this is. <laughs> like scratch. It's just sniffing. a stain. Like, I don't know. No, don't lick it. And she's trying to leave. He's like, no, no, you have to tell me. I, I this is already ruined. I can't fix this. And. You know, Selma Blair and like the dirtiest, she gets the dirtiest scenes by far. Uh, you know, the blowjob scene at the end. Oh my God. Was, yeah, I thought it was hilarious. Were and they it's so absurd. in order to get it out? I was <laughs> yeah, like, you kidding that, me? Like, hum to relax and yep. shit. Like, so it's stupid, but funny. It was enjoyable. She's funny. And I'll, I'll, I think that's the important part to note about Applegate's character. She's pretty entertaining in that. Yeah. Yeah. You see like a trend for her where like she is sexualized but she's got like kind of like a darker sense of humor and like a like a strong kind of wit to that dark sense of humor yep and it's probably close to who i mean based on what you were just mentioning kyle it's probably close to who she is because you see it in a lot of the characters she plays mm-hmm. yeah out of the three females i i like i like applegate and selma blair a lot more than i like cameron diaz on this movie. agreed yeah yeah their characters are funnier selma blair plays a really good like innocent uh naive person in movies just completely non-understanding what's going on she does she nails that role mm-hmm. one of our guesses on why the critics you know shit all over this is probably because what we're describing is raunchy sex humor and that's usually from like dudes in the 80s mm-hmm. and hmm. they're like well this is this is you know i can't say this movie's funny because it's all about 
sex and women, I have to pretend that that can't be funny and I'm appalled. Mm-hmm. I'm like, no, it's just a fucking funny movie. Yeah. Just making them feel uncomfortable. They're just sad because it's not too big to fit in there. So. <laughs> 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 Boom. Yes. Yeah. So go check out the penis song on YouTube and enjoy. That's it. That's what I came here to do. See you guys later. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Please Bye. like and subscribe. <laughs> so her career gets really busy in the next couple of years. Um, 2003, she becomes one of only two actors ever to um, win a, an Emmy for Outstanding Guest Actress, um, primetime, a primetime Emmy, uh, for her role as Amy on Friends. The only other person to do that was Bruce Willis. Oh, wow. Interesting. She she plays Rachel's sister, who takes the world uh, very li- literally, I guess, is what you put. I don't know if you guys have seen her role in that show. Probably have, because like, everyone's watched every episode of Friends just based on like syndication and probability. But I would assume that she's dumb because Rachel's character is dumb. And I think that's funny. I can see that playing well. Yeah. She, she won the Primetime Emmy the first year, 03, and she got nominated again in 2004 for the same role. For outstanding guest actress, did Bruce Willis also get it for Friends? Yep, yep, mm-hmm. that makes sense. Yep, mm. little fun facts. And she was only in a couple episodes. I mean, maybe three or four total, maybe three max, I believe. Um, but pretty impactful episode she was in from a character standpoint. Two thousand three, she's in View from the Top. Plays a character named Christine. She got a Teen Choice nom for Best Villain for that role. I watched this one uh, for the second time today. I watched it, I don't know, 15 years ago. Mike Myers is, like, he, he. I really enjoyed him in this movie. Yes, hilarious. He's not over the top, and that's usually, like, what you get from Mike Myers is something that he just beats it into the ground. And the one thing that he beats into the ground, but he only, like, hits on it a couple times is the fact he's, like, cross-eyed. Yeah. And he manages to hold being, like, cross-eyed for... 10 to 15 minutes of this movie, which is incredible because I do it for 10 seconds and I get a headache. Wow. Did you notice how he had pictures of other famous performers that are cross-eyed in the background? (laughs) No. (laughs) In his office, he's got pictures of famous people that also had the same affliction. (laughs) That's, that's pretty awesome because I mean the movie, the movie itself is, it's not great, but it's like, 85 minutes long which is awesome did she earn her teen choice nom no and i'm actually looking at the villains for that year um <laughs> so <laughs> see if it's it's, legitimate it's, it's not. not it's not great um brian cox re- in x2 x x-men united mm. michael michelle and how to lose a guy in 10 days uh colin farrell won for daredevil and that movie sucked ass so, that's true oh, oh rough year Oh, three is a rough year for villains, man. Yeah. Yeah. Sean William Scott won it the year before for American Pie 2. Now that is. Any one of the year year after for American Wedding. Good old Stiffy, baby. Stiffler was not a villain. I talked to a a friend of mine who is actually a flight attendant, and I said, How do y'all view this movie? And she's like, Oh, we all love it. I'm like, So, you know, how does it come into play? And she's like, well, basically, it's all we talk about when we're actually going through training as well. Good. And she's like, it might as well be in the videos. <laughs> when they're in the simulator, I guess, is, is are the scenes that they talk about the most <laughs> in, in their training. So I, I thought that was humorous that that movie was actually well-received in the industry that it's portraying. Hey, appealing to one demographic is better than appealing to none. Uh-huh. Yes. <laughs> I think people that work in food service, like the movie Waiting, is gospel in a lot of ways, right? So. <laughs> yeah. 
you know, if you don't get it right with the industry you're trying to uh, cover, uh, you're going to be forgotten quickly or not forgotten for the wrong reasons. That's for sure. That's a great analogy. 2003. So same year, uh, she was in the movie Wonderland, which is about the Wonderland murders. Um, she put a character named Suzanne. Uh, other weird facts about her. She grew up nearby where the Wonderland murders happened. Um, she like grew up right near the house. Uh, it's a, uh, she plays Josh Lucas's wife. It's a pretty minimal mm-hmm. role. The cast is insane in that movie. Val Kilmer plays a star. It is. But um, there's not much to say about her role, but... Really good movie. The movie itself, though, holy moly, the, the, the amount of actors they have in that is pretty wild. Yeah. Yeah. Dylan, Mc, Dylan McDermott's a, the biggest creep in that movie. Yes, he so is. It's a really good movie. It's fantastic. Yep. It's crazy that, I mean, arguably, she's the most important character in that story, and she's in the story very little, because she's the only survivor... Yeah. Of those murders. And so she's yep. the only reason we know anything about it is because of her. And she's barely in the movie. Dude, it wasn't it wasn't until the end that I even realized it was her. I kept wondering. I was like, where the hell is Applegate? And yeah. I had to go on the IMDb, find her character. I was like, oh, shit. Scroll back in the movie to find her because they don't really show her face the first time she's in the movie. It's a very much a side profile in the back, like in a dark room. So you can't even tell it's her until the end. But 2003, pretty busy year. She's also in Grand Theft Parsons, which is a Johnny Knoxville, Michael Shannon movie. I don't know if you guys are Michael Shannon fans. I know a few of you are. But you know, if you're a Michael Shannon fan, I think it's interesting to check out. But her character is a very angry person who wants, uh, who wants money, wants an inheritance. Was it about Graham Parsons? Like, is it a real? Is it a yeah. true story about Graham yeah. Parsons? Yep, true story about Graham Parsons, and basically how everybody is trying to claim his. Uh, his basically claim his body and Knoxville is uh, his buddy who's trying to smuggle his body out so he can cremate him in out in the, um, out in the desert. And she plays like his ex-wife who's trying to get his money and all that stuff. So yeah, it's a, it's a true story. Okay. And Johnny, if I remember right, Johnny Knoxville played his like best friend slash roadie, right? Yep. Yep. Michael okay. Shannon plays yeah. like a stoner who owns a a brightly colored hearse who Knoxville hires to transport <laughs> the body without him knowing there's a body in the actual casket. He just convinces him that he's just transferring a casket somewhere. Probably Michael Shannon's real car. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> 2004, she's in King of the Hill, does an episode of that. And then also in 04, she's in a movie called Employee of the Month, which is a very twisty movie she plays matt dylan's fiance sarah it wasn't that it was terrible i mean it was not what i was expecting it to be but uh well when you go in thinking it's going to be the dane cook employee of the month movie <laughs> with, with, with uh jessica simpson you're sadly disappointed yeah that's kind of what i thought it was <laughs> i was like wait is this one with jessica simpson in it <laughs> it definitely had like the final act has some Dark Knight vibes, but just not done as well as the Dark Knight in terms of just like just when you think things are done, something new happens, someone shoots someone else in the back. So you get that same like plot points at the end of the movie. Uh, wow, that's probably the only time that movie's ever been compared to the Dark Knight. That's probably. <laughs> do you think I'm crazy when I say that though? Like the end of the movie is very similar to like the start of Dark Knight when it comes to people shooting each other in the back to basically take the money. Uh, I'm going to have to take your word for it. I don't remember. Okay. <laughs> <It's okay. laughs> 2004 brings us her highest critic score, and it is her role as Veronica Corningstone in Anchorman, The Legend of Ron Burgundy. Case mm-hmm. got the joy of sharing this one and talking about it. The first line I have written in my notes is, 
Warning, there's spoilers in my review. <laughs> yes, the very famously plot-driven Anchorman movie. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> plot-driven. <laughs> what a twist and turns in this one. Yeah. Anchorman is a 2004 comedy starring uh, Will Ferrell and Christina Applegate as rival newscasters working through a love-hate relationship both on and off the set. The story is actually inspired by NBC News anchor Jessica Savage and all the nonsense that she had to put up with in order to break into being a big-time female news anchor. And Farrell's character is based on Mort Krim, who Savage was co-anchors with while in Philadelphia. And Will Farrell saw a um, documentary, and he was compelled about about Krim's kind of his his remembrance of that relationship and how he even admitted, like, you know, I was just a real pig when I worked with her, and I really regret how I treated her. And, and so that's kind of the, the way uh, Farrell developed this character. I'm going to, I'm going to do it a little bit differently in my review tonight. I'm not going to do much of a review uh, because if you haven't seen this movie yet, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I think everyone I have ever met uh, everywhere in my life has watched this movie. So I'm not going to go through the true. plot. However, here are some interesting facts that I learned when doing some research for this episode. Number one, uh, Applegate won the role over some Hollywood heavyweights. Other actresses that were being considered for the movie were Leslie Mann, Maggie Gyllenhaal, and Amy Adams. Dang. Number two, James Spader desperately wanted to play the role of Brick Tamlin, <laughs> which was eventually played by Steve Carell. Oh, wow. I'm glad they casted that. The studio hated Tamlin's character, and they kept trying to get Adam McKay to take it out because it was too weird. And he just kept going, that's the point of the role. Just go with <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, dude. And that's like Carell's sweet spot. Yes. <laughs> they kept him in. Yeah. Number three, after reading a script about a car dealership premise that Will Ferrell and Adam, Adam McKay wrote, Paul Thomas Anderson told Will Ferrell and Adam McKay to write the craziest script they could write, and he'd help make sure it got produced. So really, the reason Anchorman exists is because of Paul Thomas Anderson. Wow. Number four, the initial script of the movie involved the news team having an airplane crash in the mountains where they not only struggled to survive, but they also had to battle ninja orangutans. <laughs> now, remember, Paul Thomas Anderson told them to write the craziest script they could think of. <laughs> Number five, there was so much material, funny scenes, and an unused subplot that producers were able to piece together a side movie called Wake Up Ron Burgundy which was released with Anchorman on DVD. And then finally, Anchorman struggled to obtain a PG-13 rating because in early cuts of the movie, it excessively showed Ron's dog Baxter's genitalia. Huh. <laughs> it was rated R because of all the dog dick Dude, in the movie. That's how I yeah. <laughs> What did oh they base this shit on? <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, getting, getting back to Applegate, I think Applegate was perfectly cast for this movie. Yeah, she's great. Mm -hmm. Applegate's ability to confront and share space with Farrell was critical in keeping the film in balance. Also, what I like about her is not only can she hold her own sharing the screen with the male characters, uh, and I think this stems from her work with uh, Ed O'Neill in, in uh, Married with Children. But, you know, she can also be hilarious in her own right. My favorite example of the two of them kind of trading blows at the end of the newscast, the credits are rolling and the music's playing <laughs> and they're just just drilling each other. <laughs> you're, you're dirty pirate hooker. She's great for this role. I bet if you were to ask a lot of people who are around our age, you would get... The majority of them would put this on their Mount Rushmore of comedies. Like this is, mm -hmm. and it's classic Will Ferrell. Where the first time I saw this movie, 
I actually didn't think it was funny because it was so stupid. And then the second time I watched it, I died laughing and it was yep. one of the funniest <laughs> movies I've ever seen because it is so stupid. Yeah. The plot really doesn't matter. It's about the scenes and the funny jokes they bounce off of each other. So yep. like her being a woman, that turns into them discussing why they can't hire her. Because the bears can smell the men. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> if you wanted to know being, why, that was why. They're like, well, what about bears? You know, they could smell the men. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's so absurdly stupid. Yeah. It's so dumb. <laughs> Had to watch. The mood is tense. <laughs> she walks into his office and he's like, uh, 999. One thousand. Oh, a thousand. I don't know if you heard uh, of me, but I did over a thousand. Watch out for the guns. <laughs> There's no way. So, that's what true. brings you here? Um, you asked me to come here, Mister <laughs> <Yeah>. Burgundy. <laughs> I can't. Is it the first one or the second one where uh, he they're going over the rules before the brawl, and he goes, "The first rule: don't touch the hair." And Ben Stiller's character goes, "The first one, of course, of course, of course. <laughs> Stop, bitches. Spanish news." <laughs> Mr. Burgundy, you have a massive erection. (laughs) Oh, wow. (laughs) Just walk it off. Just gotta walk it off. It's the pleats in the pants. The pleats. The pleats. Flattering in the crotchal region. My first degree from college was a comm degree, and this came out when I was like a sophomore, junior. And I was actually working on my campus news station. (laughs) Oh, wow. (laughs) Perfect timing. Yep. And when we started to prepare, like, for, like, reading our lines, like, this is, we would be quoting this movie to get ready to do a sound check. Ow now, brown cow. Ow now. Yep. The arsonist <laughs> has oddly shaped feet. <laughs> Unique New York. Unique <laughs> New York. <laughs> oh, it's, it's so quotable. I mean, it, it's quotable to the point where you, it's so funny and famous that you're like, oh, like, these jokes are played out because we've played them out because we've said mm-hmm. the jokes so many times because they're so funny. I think, uh, no matter, Christina Applegate's obviously, she's got a really good career in Hollywood. She's had one and she continues to have one and she's got a great future. But I think no matter what, I'll always remember her as Veronica Corningstone. Yeah, um, absolutely. My think, alabaster doll. <laughs> 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 I think of all of her film roles, for sure, this is the one that you can always, whenever you Whenever you think of Christina Applegate, this is the movie that, or you hear her name, this is the movie that you um, automatically think of for sure. I'd say this and Don't Tell Mom. Those are the two. Mm -hmm. I love when she finally, like, his absurd hitting on her finally works with, like, he's playing the flute and he's crushing it. And, like, they have this, like, ecstasy of a sexual experience. And she's like, look at that rainbow. Why don't you me do, to, me do me on it? Do me on Pleasure Town. Oh, we're going there. <laughs> Trust me, I got them all. <laughs> so you guys, are you guys enjoying this moment right now? This is this moment of Jubilee where we posted on our Twitter that we probably were going to quote every line of Anchorman. We nailed it. Dude, uh, I don't want to forget about Sex Panther by Odiage. Because it's made with bits of real panther. We're going to coast on this to lowest critic score. And Warren's going to try to savor the Anchorman hangover as long as possible as he tells us about surviving Christmas. Well, 60% of the time, it should work every time. So good luck there, Warren. (laughs) Yeah. Good luck. Um, So this movie, if you listen to the cast, it really is only like four people who make up this cast. And it's... Ben Affleck, James Gandolfini, Christina Applegate, and Catherine O'Hara. 
That is an awesome. And this is this is right in the middle of Sopranos. It, it is like James Gandolfini is probably the most important actor in, in television at this point. All right, Warren. Well, tell us a little bit about this underwhelming movie plot. Walking to his like childhood home, and he comes in and he's basically like, "I will give you two hundred fifty thousand dollars to let me spend Christmas with your family." And you know, it, he sleeps in his old bed or in his old bedroom. Sends sends it the son their son to like sleep in the basement. Then Christine Applegate shows up. And immediately you're just like, well, okay. I, t- I actually forgot that she was going to be in the movie. <laughs> she showed up and I was like, oh yeah, that's why, that's why I'm watching this movie. <laughs> and she, she shows up and you're like, oh, well, no shit. They're going to start like dating and it's going to be weird because they're going to look like brother and sister in this movie and they're going to be making out. And because they're playing brother and sister and it just kind of, I don't know. It, it it is not a good movie at all. It is like, um, I had a really good, I had a really good one, but that was, I watched, I had watched it like three 30 in the morning one time when my son woke up and didn't go back to bed. Um, so it's got a, it's got a 7% from the critics too. That's it. It's, it's a 90 minute movie, which is solid about that. But like, there are funny parts in this movie that made me laugh, but by the time it's all said and done, they're just like, oh, did you learn your lesson? Like, money can't buy you happiness, and, uh, you know, family is important. And it, it just goes this really, really stupid fucking way about getting to it. Like, Ben Affleck is absolutely insufferable this entire movie. <laughs> it's just like this, oh, I've got all this money. I'm so cool. Like, I can do anything I want. And then he's just like, the next second, he's like, just this pity party with like yeah. fucking rain cloud over him. And then he like says something like real snarky and he's like, uh, I'll just throw money at it. Like here, here's a hundred dollars. Like keep it going. It's just, it is not a good movie, man. It deserves a seven on rotten tomatoes. Um, it does not deserve the, uh, what did it get from the, the audience? 29. A 29. Nah, I, I audience needs to get more about a 15. This could have been a good movie. If I actually think if Ben Affleck wasn't in this movie and they had some, you know, any other actor, a, 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 put a comedian in it. They could put Polly Shore in this movie and it would be a lot better. It sounds like a Polly Shore movie. Exactly. It, it really does. It sounds like, like almost like uh, Son in Law. And that yeah. has, and Son in Law has redeeming value as a movie. So. Yeah. Yeah, and and you know, and there's the the you know James Gandolfini and Catherine O'Hara, their relationships on the rocks. It's just not it's just not a good movie, and I, I won't watch it again. Would I recommend anybody watch it? No, I actually probably wouldn't. It's it's just not worth it. Sorry to bring everybody down after Anchorman, but that's well, you sold me on it. <laughs> All right, 2005. Uh, she was in a stage production called Sweet Charity. Uh, she got a Tony nomination for best actress for that role so that's pretty cool um kind of you know get some love on the awards award side for uh, for theater work she also broke her foot on set and had to cut her um cut her acting a little bit short uh, so that kind of sucks but at least she got a, a nom for it and then in 2007 she uh played samantha and samantha who 
show ran for two years, a little over two years. She got two Golden Globe noms for Best Actress for that role and two Primetime Emmy nominations for, for uh, Best Lead Actress. She got a lot of awards love for her role in that show. And then 08, her, uh, from a personal standpoint, life got pretty complicated for her. She was diagnosed with breast cancer, um, non-life-threatening, um, but she ended up getting a double mastectomy to deal with the situation. So um, she has gone some th- through some things personally um, to where she's at. And I mean, good for her. She had her child at 39 and had double mastectomy and dealt with breast cancer. Those are pretty heavy deals. That year as well, she was in re- an episode of Reno 911, and she was also in the movie The Rocker. Uh, played a character named Kim. It's crazy that you just wouldn't like take some time off and say, right? You know, I'm just going to chill for a minute, get everything back to neutral before I uh, hop back on the saddle and start starring in things here. But good for her, man. Is the rocker that Rain Wilson movie? Yes, I believe. Yeah. It is, yes, mm-hmm. got it. 2009 is when she started her work in the uh, Elvin and Chipmunks universe, as uh, Craig mentioned earlier. Three of her five biggest box office makers were the Elvin movies, and she played uh, Brittany in the Squeakquel. In 2009, it's hard to recognize it's her because, you know, it's the chipmunks and they warp their voices in a lot of ways. So it takes a moment to realize Justin Long plays Alvin. But once you get get to IMDb, you figure these things out. So that's the first of three mm-hmm. that she's in. Um, and then 2010, doing some more animated work. Uh, she's in Cats and Dogs, The Revenge of Kitty Galore, Warren's favorite. Absolutely loves this movie for our listeners. I didn't watch that one. No, I did. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we mentioned uh, Cats and Dogs because it's a crossover with our boy James Marsden, former former alum of the Munson's world. And then 2010, she's in Going the Distance, plays Corinne, Jim Gaffigan's wife in that one. I remember watching this one before. Yeah. And I, I mean, it's it's a funny movie. Like an R-rated rom-com is just better mm-hmm. than a PG-13 one because you get some, some better stuff out of it. Great. And the cast is great. It, it's a very funny cast. And uh, the sex scene <laughs> with the kitchen table is, it's hilarious. Late at night, was it Drew Barrymore comes in yeah. with, uh, with her, her boyfriend? It's Justin Long, right? It's Justin Long, yeah. yeah. They hadn't seen each other in months. That's right. They're banging on the the dinner table, and Gaffigan's just—he's literally in the dark, sitting at the table, and ends up watching <laughs> them for like thirty seconds until Applegate comes down. Later that day, they're hosting a, a holiday uh, meal at the at the table, and the, Applegate's character can't get over the fact that people were fucking on it like six hours ago, even though she like scrubbed it down. And literally, the kids are dropping food on the table, and she's cringing <laughs> at them like <laughs> grabbing it up. They lied to the kids and told them they were doing something else. And so it, it, she's pretty funny in that. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll follow in, uh, in Warren's path there. And so in just a run of comedies, 2011, she's in Hall Pass as Grace. <laughs> a Munson's yeah. favorite. Her is Jason Sudeikis' wife. And after he gets caught jacking off in the car and the cops pull up and see him doing it. <laughs> And they they, have to eat, they bring him to the door, and she's like in a robe. And she's like, "Yes, I, he's mine. I'll take him he's, back. If you want him, you can have him. <laughs> if you say he's yours, if you say so yours, good. you can have him. Yeah, it's a oh, classic. Man. And then uh, up all night, she plays Reagan Brinkley in 2011. This show was really well reviewed. I remember it has an awesome cast. I mean, Will Arnett, uh, Maya Rudolph. But it's one of those NBC shows that even with good reviews, um, a lot of them don't make it past two seasons. I think this one was only like a year, a year and a half long show. Yeah, two years, I think, max. I was reading just in my research to do her top performances. They say that a lot of people say that this show is extremely underrated and they wish they would have got a bigger audience. And then uh, finally, 2011, the uh, 
the next album in the Chipmunks movie, Chipwrecked. And uh, that takes <laughs> us to uh, Largest Critic Gap. And we've got the uh, the other Anchorman movie, Anchorman 2. The legend continues, and James has it. Here's my thoughts. Uh, again, like the other Anchorman, the, the original, the plot doesn't really matter. Uh, this yep. plot is to get the gang back together. They're going to do a 24-hour news cycle, and they want Ron to be the guy running the show. Um, that aside, here's, here's my actual take on rewatching this movie is I don't think it's as bad as everyone remembers it being. No. I just don't think it's as good as the original. I think what made the original Anchorman like stand out was how absurd everything was. And mm-hmm. when you first watch it, you're like, wow, this is absurd and dumb. And then you would rewatch it and be like, that's the point. And it's hysterical. It slowly, gradually became this iconic movie. And then with this second one, they just kind of ran it back and did the same kind of approach. And because the absurdity was now something you were expecting, you know, like a life changing one liners and they just didn't deliver on that. And so I don't think it's as bad as I remembered it being, but that's because I was holding it up against some of my favorite comedies. Um, There are still some good one liners in there. I think uh, the score that the critics gave it of a 74. So it's 22 point difference. The audience gave it a 52. I think you split that difference 60. and you have yeah. the movie. Yeah, I think 60. I think it's funny. There's some funny yeah. that happens yeah. with comedies. But there are still some some scenes that like made me burst out laughing. One of them me up so hard. And then after that, there's like a slight pause, but there's still funny one-liners. It just didn't yeah. live up to the original. Yeah, line. I think with with comedies especially like sequels that come out 10 years you know, later. Yeah, like Dumb and Dumber 2, you know, stuff like that is like, it's just really hard to deliver the goods how you're expecting it, you know? Uh-huh. You are set up so much with the first one that it's it's guaranteed to be a letdown. And this, I agree with, with Anchorman 2. It's funny. There are definitely some funny moments, but the act had kind of run dry. Uh-huh. The only comedy sequels that work, I think, are like spoofs, like the scary movie series, just because like they come out every year and they have like new material to sort of write in parodies, stuff like that. This this one just didn't really work. You're not comparing the characters from the last one to the new one because it's a whole different story, whole whole right. new set of characters and stuff like that. Right. Yeah. James, to your point, you know, Farrell and McKay, they uh, they were very anti sequel when Anchorman was hot, and then as I got further away from the project, they wanted to do a sequel. So they approached the studio, and the studio said no. So they actually started writing this movie as a uh, Broadway musical. Oh. But then they were like, holy shit, this is going to take way too long to get off the ground. It's not worth it. So then Farrell, just on a whim, approached Paramount one more time and was like, hey, we really want to do this sequel. Everybody will do it, and not only will they do it, but they'll take pay cuts. That's awesome. And then Paramount was like, let's do it then. Fine, let's roll. Dude, they... More money on the sequel than the original. The original's looked at as like a classic. Yeah. The scene where he roasts his seven year old son for being stupid is <laughs> so funny to me, dude. He's like, What do you want to be when you grow up? And he's like, I want to be an astronaut. He's like, No, you're you're gonna like hold the lighting and porno shoots. You're an idiot. Like, you you are not going to do anything like that. I know that there's with a sequel, there's obviously so much that you have to see from the first one, but I think as a standalone if this had been released when the first one had instead and this was like the first movie i don't think we would have any issues with it i think that you i think you would still have like the same amount of pop culture impact and the discussions and everything from it Mm -hmm. but it was smart that they did take a you know they brought in a little bit more stuff for the second one Mm -hmm. 10 years later bringing in 
a little little extra culture and like that impact of it because they didn't really address that in the first one. But I mean, yeah, the second one, the they definitely brought back like shock value, like the the in fight scene with like this movie probably has more people in it oh, than any Will movie, Smith and all any those movie guys. of all time yeah. ever. Yeah. Uh, Harrison Ford, Drake, Sasha Barrett Cohen, Marion Cotillard, Will Smith, Kirsten Dunst, Jim Carrey, Tina Fey, Liam Neeson, John C. Riley, Amy Poehler, Vince Vaughn, Kanye, Greg Kinnear. <laughs> like, you, That's right. You tell me. <laughs> yeah. Vince Vaughn was trying to get Angela Lansbury to play Dorothy Mantooth in the sequel. Oh, that would be awesome. Oh, my God. She's a, she's <laughs> a saint. She okay. is. All right, 2014, before we hit our Munson's Choice review, she was in the the Muppets um, TV show, and she played herself, which is kind of cool from a pop culture standpoint that, you know, she's big enough to where people recognize her as as a name in that show, and the whole plot line is she embarrasses Miss Piggy in an interview, and then Miss Piggy's just trying to get back at her the entire episode. <laughs> if you like the Muppets, then it's right up your alley, but it's just still kind of cool to, to see her playing herself in a show in a huge brand like that mm-hmm. 30 years later in her career. It's, it's pretty, pretty impressive from that standpoint. And then <laughs> 2015 as well. Uh, I think Craig watched this. She's in a, a, a short that is available online called Merrill, the lifetime biopic with uh, Christine Applegate and uh, Applegate basically plays all of uh, Merrill's like, premier characters over the years and it's extremely self-deprecating it's really funny it's probably three and a half minutes long but it's hilarious yeah it's pretty entertaining to, to see christina applegate shit all over herself and, and take some shots at meryl street <laughs> yeah she's like <laughs> she's like critics say that picking uh, applegate was a bad choice for the role and so it, it's pretty good um and that takes us to 2015's uh, vacation and uh, if you're new to the show, the way this works, our, our guest Munson's get a chance to pick a role outside of the normal five categories that we cover. And Jeff chose Vacation, the remake of the uh, the original iconic Vacation movie. Great choice, Swati. Yeah. Thank you. Given that it's a remake, this review will probably be on the shorter end because it follows a lot of the same kind of plot lines as the original with obviously just different characters but also you do have cameos from chevy chase and beverly d'angelo you know it was nice to have them in there and you do have a cameo of chris hemsworth and leslie mann as well um Mm -hmm. which i think kind of helped it a little bit obviously she is the wife of of rusty griswold played by ed helms who does a good job at being a really awkward dad so his role does kind of like follow the chevy chase sort of like character for what he developed for the Griswold family. Christina Applegate is obviously the wife, Debbie, you know, a little bit reminiscent of Beverly D'Angelo from that role, but obviously she's sort of like the sidekick on Ed Helms's adventure and idea to take the family on, you know, a vacation that he went on when he was younger, which is to go out to Wally world instead of going to their usual cabin, Um, So obviously the rest of the movie kind of just unfolds with basically their trials and tribulations of traveling across the country to go to Wally World and just sort of all the, you know, stupid stuff that they get into and advice that they get without checking for like sources, like asking a dude that didn't even know he had a rat on his shoulder. (laughs) (laughs) How do we get to the hot springs so we can beat this line? And you obviously you're like, well, obviously, you know, you're going off roading to, you know, a site that isn't supervised by, you know, state troopers or the parks department. So, yeah, you're going to run into some shit. 
literally literally <laughs> literally that's kind of how the movie goes and obviously it ends with like the family coming back together after you know going through like a bunch of strife going across the country sounds riveting quite riveting it's kind of, it, it's <laughs> what you would expect of a remake of an old classic i think this is i know it's a part of the vacation universe it's not the best movie but i laugh harder at watching this movie than all the other vacation movies put together. <laughs> oh wow, that's a statement. It is funny. It absolutely is. Like the the Tartan Prancer, their uh, their car that they oh my drive God, around yes. is is absolutely hilarious. <laughs> the sons are hilarious in yeah. it in their relationship. Hilarious. Ed Helms is so incredible. He's so incredibly naive, but like the nicest guy in the world. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, his his little like back and forth with. Debbie Christina Applegate, who was Debbie Do Anything in college. Oh yeah, (laughs) was Uh, I mean they're just trying to see like how many guys she's like had sex with and all that stuff and like it it is it is yeah (laughs) three okay I don't feel so bad now. So it's 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 one of those movies that like if you have a group of people that you've watched it with, it it's definitely a lot better. If I had watched it alone, I probably wouldn't like it as much. But like we we reference this movie. I love the part where they try to have sex in the four corners and the four cops come. <laughs> like, oh, but also everybody is. else that is there at the four corners trying to do the same yeah. thing. Right. Yeah. That was right. pretty good. The cops are hilarious because it's Michael Pena, Sweet D from Sweet D from yeah. uh, Always Sunny, Sunny Philadelphia. Philadelphia. Nick Kroll is the uh, the Colorado cop, I think. <laughs> and it, it basically all all ends with them pointing guns at each other. It's hilarious. Or uh, Charlie when he's the uh, the river raft. Oh yeah. And his girlfriend dumps him like right before they go down the raft, and they're like, "Are you sure yeah. you want to do this?" Oh yeah, I'm fine. Yeah, I mean, there's funny parts. Colin Hanks in the very beginning. Yeah, he's like flying away plane. from my family. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, he just couldn't go sit down. I appreciate this movie because it's it's not a full remake, but it's also not a complete reboot. It's very self-aware. It is. Yeah, because don't they even make fun of the fact that instead of a boy and a girl as the children, it's two boys. It's a boy and, and a boy. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Yep, they do. They say that in the beginning. Norman Reedus is the trucker. <laughs> yep. It's like the, <laughs> not, the little boy's like, uh, my friend says all truckers are rapists. Is that true? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, he goes, sorry oh, you gotta say that. over after that. Oh, sorry, over. <laughs> sorry about that. You know you know how little boys are when their mouths get going. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. <laughs> What's with the teddy bear? How else, how else do I get the kids in the cab? <laughs> <laughs> it's very self-aware, like you said, with like referencing. So you're saying you want to redo the vacation from your childhood? This this vacation will stand on its own. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's perfectly fine. Yeah, there's a Vin Diesel reference in it too for James. Ooh. Oh, and now I'm interested. There is? Oh yeah, there is. When he's trying to get away from Norman Reedus, he's like, uh, he's like, I'm gonna. I'm going to hit the brake and do a reverse just like Vin Diesel does in, in, uh, in Fast and Furious. He's like, if he can do it, yep. if Vin Diesel can do it, why can't I? And and, uh, and Christina Applegates, why are you as good as Vin Diesel? It's so funny. Good for her. She's she's just got a run of good comedies just over the decades, one after another. So Vacation is uh, just another one of those. Cool. Thanks, Lottie. Not a problem. All right. So we've got five years left before we start digging into top performances and months and meter ratings. And so we see the third album, the Chipmunks movie, The Road Chip in 2015. We've got Youth in Oregon, which is 
definitely an under the radar movie. She plays a character named Kate. I'll say this: the movie itself is very dark. The concept is Frank Langella's character uh, has determined that he is kind of he knows he's going to die soon because of some medical issues, and so he wants to go to Oregon and participate in a basically a Kevorkian style euthanasia situation. And the movie is about how he's making that decision and the entire family doesn't want him to and how they're all handling that process. So it's pretty dark, pretty deep, and Applegate's character, she's got some really impressive emotional acting in this movie. So if you've if you've never seen it and never heard it, I think it's on Prime. Check it out. I mean, make sure you're in the right mood for a movie as dark as this when it's just constantly talking about death. But her character, I mean convincingly emotional uh, in terms of caring for her dad in that role. And Frank Langella is one of the best actors working he's today. Great. So love Frank Langella. Dark movie, but she's awesome in that role. Bad Moms 2017, she plays Gwendolyn. It's a small supporting role. Her character in that, in the movie, kind of reminds me of like a grown-up Regina George from like Mean Girls. Exactly. Like that's essentially mm-hmm. the character. That's great. Um, the whole, the whole yeah. movie is just Mean Girls for like for older, older. Yeah. I was like with Catherine Hahn, who is hilarious and has yep. some of the best lines. She puts on this facade that she's like has this perfect life, and then it's kind of not. You kind of see at the end, it's her life is not really like that yeah. at all. But even like her yep. very last line is homage to Mean Girls. Like, yeah, get yeah. in the car, bitches. We're going blah blah blah. Get in the so private saying, jet. Like, get in, bitches. loser. We're going shopping. Yeah. And she reprises her role in Bad Mom's Christmas a couple years later, but it's literally one scene. Yep. yep. 30 seconds at most. So very, very brief. I watched it last night. I was with friends and I had to find something to convince them to watch that had Christina Applegate in it. And I was like, <laughs> I could probably sell them on Bad Mom's Christmas, which like they knew I was doing this podcast tonight. And that's why I had to see a movie with her. And they were like, what are you going to talk about with her? She was in the movie for 30 <laughs> seconds. And I was like, yeah. we will say something. I was like, but yeah, she literally in that movie. Yep. I was like, she was literally in the movie for five seconds, but it was hilarious. It was like, hilarious. Yeah. The addition of Christine Baranski, Susan Sarandon, um, and then um, the actress that plays Kristen Bell's mom were great. And yeah. that yeah. was kind of the new focus inside of the bitchy girl group. PTA moms. So it was just them trying to, you know, figure out their relationships with their moms instead. I wouldn't be surprised um, if they funny. do a spinoff movie with those three at some point. I would think not they be are. Surprised, uh, yeah, I be think surprised. they are planning on it because that would actually would be really funny. Another movie she's in where she's does some really good dramatic work recently is called Crash Pad. Um, she plays a character named Morgan. Came out in 2017. Off the beaten path comedy, but her, her dramatic acting is pretty solid in that. And then speaking of takes us to um, her most recent work, and that's uh, Dead to Me. She plays Jen, mm-hmm. and uh, she's gotten a Golden Globe nom for that role, and three primetime Emmy noms as well. Yeah, this show is critically acclaimed, and it's. Um, I only watched the first season. I still need to watch the second one. So I finished it today. Her and Linda Cardinelli are, are great together. Their chemistry is amazing. It's got a really sort of thought-provoking style to it, too. I like it. I need to get caught up on it. I know Warren was raving about it when we were talking about Marsden. A while back it's not a great show but like once you start you're just like how's like where's this going where's this going where's this going and it really it really keeps you going with it yep um yep. and she's like that's a very emotional role for her is she's playing a uh, a widow i think that this might be like her best acting kind of gig like her emotional range in the show is pretty impressive because mm-hmm. she can throw in some comedy stuff but she also has to 
throw in some like really like dark like mm-hmm. grief, nervous yeah. breakdown anxiety grief kind of you stuff you have to buy and her that, grief in the yeah room. and yeah. i thought it was impressive yeah it's a really good show i think after seeing her in youth in oregon and crash bad it didn't surprise me at all that she excelled in this role because she does some some stuff in those two movies that are pretty reminiscent in how she approaches her role in this show mm-hmm. cool well that's 2020 is where we're at over the years, she's also done four other stage productions. She was in the Axman's Jazz, Nobody Leaves Empty-Handed, The Run-Through, and she was in John Cassavetti's The Third Day. So, just some other notes to make. Rigby, do you have some uh, top performances for us? I found this list from Thought for Your Penny, which I believe we used we during the, the Regina Hall episode, if I'm not mistaken. Um, or maybe you the Craig Robinson. for one. your what? This is Thought for Your Penny. It's a, uh, just a blog about film, entertainment, um gives reviews this guy i think his name is brian penny he does a lot of these actor best performances lists so this is christina applegate's top 10 movie and tv roles of all time Ooh, all right Ooh, all right let's go when was it published august 2019 so pretty relevant so dead to me is probably included dead to me is on there yep what number so dead, dead to me uh dead to me is three <laughs> dead to me is three <laughs> warren just just He's like, what is dead to me? Veronica Corningstone. Veronica yeah. is number, uh, number five. What? Which Kelly, I know, which, Kelly yeah. uh, number two. Nice job, Craig. Sweetest thing. Sweetest thing yeah. is nine. Oh, wow. All right. What the hell? What about the big hit? The big hit is not on here. <laughs> <laughs> I was just guessing. <laughs> Samantha, Samantha who? Samantha who is six. Nice job. There you go. How about... Um, other TV shows she's done. How about uh, how about Mafia? No, I wish. Damn. Is she on there for Vacation? Uh, vacation Seven. Nice. Okay. How about Jesse? This guy's pretty generous. Jesse's not on there. Gwendolyn from Bad Moms. That's number four. Nice job, Craig. We're missing a we're missing a Munson's favorite on here. At least a at least Hall, a Warren. Nice. Yes, Hall Pass eight. So Warren? we're missing. No, Friends is not on here. How we're about missing, Don't Don't Tell Mom? Yes, that yeah. is number one. I yeah, that's completely, oh, wow. completely disagree with that. But I guess just because it was her first role and it's still kind of recognizable today, that's probably why he put it number one. And then number 10 is Alvin and the Chipmunks series. So oh. thank you, Thought, you for your penny. Yeah, That's a roundup of Christina Applegate. I, I disagree with a lot of it, but that's the, <laughs> the, be- that's the best list that I could find. So we're Come on the it. pod and fight us, you coward. <laughs> <laughs> I'm disappointed her role, Dawn, from Streets wasn't in there. <laughs> <laughs> he hasn't seen it yet. I would put Anchorman number one, just because, like I said, if, if I had to create a list um, of the movies that I know her the most, that would be number one for sure. So what was one, yeah. two, three? And that again. Uh, don't tell mom married with children and dead to me that's pretty good top three that's not bad you jumble that around and you're probably gonna get there all right thanks rigby all right we're gonna rate some careers on the munson meter if you're a first-time listener the way this works we rate every actor on a scale of zero to a hundred we all have our own little ways that we do it but generally speaking we follow the same criteria those criteria are um, their longevity as an actor their choice in projects, their pop culture impact, their range as an actor, awards footprint, if they have any other talents, their personal life, their comedic chops, and their box office success, and then whatever else matters to us. So with that said, Rigby is up first. I think she's hilarious. Uh, obviously, in some of my favorite comedies, Mafia, Anchorman, 
you know, but I think that's kind of where she loses points with me because she doesn't really have a lot of range other than like spoof comedies, raunchy comedies and dark comedies. Um, I haven't seen the the movie that you mentioned, Kyle, with Franklin Jella. I wish I would have because it sounds like that's a good dramatic role for her. She's great, though. but that's and that's where she gets a knock on points for me um, because I don't think I haven't seen her be capable of 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 that dramatic role that kind of turns some critics' heads and turns some audiences' heads, and they're like, "Wow, she's she can do whatever." That being said, you know, for what she is, which is like you said, Kyle, raunchy, bitchy. She can be a sweet, you know, she can play the mom. She can play the wife in movies, um, primarily comedies. She gets a pretty good score for me, and especially for having the longevity of a career. I mean, the fact that her first major film role, she was the leading role, and it's still, yeah. even though I disagree, Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead still t- stands the, the test of time with a lot of people. So I'm going to give her a 75. Case. She's been at it forever. I mean, she got her SAG card, what, 1974? Yep. That's insane. And then she has two really important pop cultural factors for me. Number one, a feather in her cap that nobody else has, is that she had a very random call out during an epic episode of the Eric Andre show, which <laughs> out of the blue, they're like, hey, let's give a hand to uh, Christina Applegate. They showed a still picture of her and everybody started clapping. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's awesome. And then the other thing is she has two characters. If you think about her, you can think of those two characters' names. That's Kelly Bundy and Veronica Corningstone. Mm-hmm. And I can't think of any other actors or actresses, off the top of my head at least, that I know first and last names of multiple characters. You know, she's had some iconic moments on roles, or, and roles, excuse me. One of which uh, maybe hurt the middle part of her career and, and coming off of her role as Kelly Bundy, you know, is really difficult for her to get out of that, you know, being typecasted. And in fact, she was a um, she was being considered for Legally Blonde, and she turned it down because she didn't want to play another dumb blonde role. Damn. Her name recognition since the 90s is, is as good as anyone. Unfortunately, I didn't get around to watching some of the more dramatic roles that you've talked about, Kyle, like Dead to Me. Comparing her to other performers on our list, I have to take into consideration the lack of box office and movie success. However, you know, typecast actresses like Nicole Kidman and Reese Witherspoon and Jennifer Anderson have had really iconic roles and they've had spikes in their careers as of late. And I think Applegate could be primed for this same sort of spike if the right project came along. I'm going to uh, match the year she got her SAG card and I'm going to give her a 74. All right, I'm up next. Um, I think, number one, she's just got a great sense of humor about herself. I I look at the Muppets Mm -hmm. and the Merrill biopic as just really good self-deprecating humor, which you don't see in a lot of actors. Rigby talked about it. She she's excellent, sassy comedic actor. But having seen a lot of this other stuff, she does emotion and drama pretty well too. It's just unfortunate. It's, it's project choice that limits people's ability to see some of those. To Craig's point about like pop culture, I mean, she's referenced by Jillian Hall and Donnie Darko. Colbert called mm-hmm. her a national treasure in one of his pieces. There's a song by PM Dawn that talks about her. You, you just kind of look across the board for her as long as her career has been. I think it's pretty impressive. So I'm not going to knock her in many areas because I'm going to judge her strictly based on the scales. And she's got good range. She's been at it forever. She gets max points there. Um, she's got great pop culture impact. Awards are decent. She's really funny. That's going to get her 78 from me. Swati. For all the points mentioned previously um, and using some of that scale, a lot of what made me think about the score was more along lines of like her career longevity. Um, some of those like key point roles that she had, 
of those characters that you remember, like, you know, Veronica Corningstone, Kelly Bundy. I was actually going into this, well, I thought I was actually going into this a little bit lower than what I'm giving it, but at the end of the day, I think she was she's a pretty solid actor, and I was going with a 75. Okay, perfect. Warren? This is one of those times where I can do, like, my balance of, is this uh, one where I take movies... Uh, weighted heavier than TV shows or what, you know, uh, I guess I have to make that executive decision. Her role as Kelly Bundy is just, it's too big for her career. Like, it's too big in, in a career not to take it into account. And to do it at 16 through 26 and then to not just kind of like fade off, um, you know, and she, you know, in some sense, yeah, she kind of, you know, her popularity, it's, it's this, you know, U-shaped curve in popularity where it's really popular in the beginning and then it drops down in the middle and then she, you know, gets back up, uh, at the end and, you know, a little bit that's in, you know, she, she knows that she can play a character in a TV show that is consistent enough and I think giving her a TV show to show more depth of a character is her strong suit. And so that's why I think uh, Dead to Me is uh, such a such a big role for her. Is she can really kind of play into that. You know, but I, I would love, I really think that because of her success with Netflix on this, she may get like a Netflix movie uh, in the next year or two. I know there's nothing coming out uh, that's a movie for her, but who knows with COVID, but that said, like there isn't enough diversity in her roles. She does have the pop culture with, I mean, like Craig said, Corningstone and Kelly Bundy, uh, but she needs a little bit more and, you know, awards footprint. Sure. It's like you get this Emmy, uh, for a episode that you were in on a TV show. Like, I don't really give a shit about that. But that that said, like it's hard not to take her TV show stuff into consideration when reviewing her. And I don't know if we're really gonna get much more stuff from her that's gonna like be her really stepping out of her comfort zone. And so I, I don't think I think we've really kind of seen what we're gonna see from her. I don't. I'm not expecting too much more. So I'm gonna give her. I'm gonna give her a seventy. And part of that's really just because I've seen some of the scores I've given other people, and there's no way I can give her a score but beneath some of them. That <laughs> a boy. I do the same thing. That's <laughs> the, the old Pratt factor for James. So, yep. James, that's a good transition. You're up. Finish this out. Yeah. Uh, you guys have said it all. Pop culture impact. She's been in the game for 40 years now, uh, ever since she was a baby. Um, funny, witty, dark humor, sexual humor. I think Dead to Me is uh, one of those shows that's going to kind of bridge her into the more dramatic side. I've only seen a few episodes, but based on all the uh, awards love she's getting, that's kind of what it seems like. Um, all that together, she comes in just behind Chris Pratt for me at 71. Warren, what's that bring us in an average? That brings her to a 73.83, which is good enough for ninth. And that has her in between... Rami Malik and Jaiman Hansu. Rigby, say the line. That seems very fair. Thank you. He's back, baby. <laughs> Rami's at eight and Jaiman's <laughs> at ten with Applegate in between. Cracking the top ten. Good for her. That's pretty good. See how long it lasts. Warren, what has she got coming? Uh, she's got a TV movie 
uh, it's a comedy drama called Your Time Is Up, which sounds a, a right up her wheelhouse. Um, and she's the only person in it right now. So <laughs> the last the last time the the last time the production notes were updated for this was December 9th, twenty sixteen. So it may be a while till we hear anything about it. It's, it's been in post production for four years. Well, that's that's good. You know, it's a real link later project he's putting together over there. Yeah. Here are the five actors we're throwing on the wheel for next episode. We've got Alexander Daddario, Robert Redford, Lake Bell, and Tim Roth. Of those options, what do we like? What do we dislike? Ooh. I think it's an absolute disservice to Maya Rudolph, Robert Redford, and Tim Roth that you've included two women who I truly have never heard their names before in my life. <laughs> <laughs> never heard you of Lake Bell? Dude, you could have made that name up. You've never heard of Alex Daddario? Like, I have no idea what she's in. Yeah, definitely a young actress. She's in ba- she was <laughs> Baywatch. in the Baywatch. Baywatch, yeah. Lake Bell was in How to Make It, How in, to America, make it in America. And uh, uh, A Good Old Fashioned Orgy. <laughs> if, in, if nobody's seen that, you got to watch it. She was in that movie with... Uh, with Owen Wilson, where he played like a, where he played like a State Department guy trying to get out of that of like Libya. Oh, no during, escape! Yes, no escape. God. Yep. Yeah, she's in No Strings Attached as well. Well, uh, all that said, Robert Redford would be great. He would be awesome. Yeah. The Godfather, man. And so would Godfather Tim Roth, man. Hands. I'd love to do Redford or or Tim Roth for sure. Yeah. Maya's probably the one I want to do the most, just because we get to watch. We watched what one SNL sketch? You'd, we'd have to cover like all of her best SNL characters. And yeah, she's hilarious. Bridesmaids. I mean, she's hilarious in so many movies. Bridesmaids is awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but then somebody would get to watch, and I mean, get to watch Grown Ups One, Grown Ups Two, That's like true. Uh, Hubie Halloween, like all this shit. She's in the <laughs> Sandler universe. Yeah. Oh yeah. Right. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, that sucks. Yep. She is in Hubie. Jeff, who would you pick? Um, I like Amaya Rudolph. That's what I'd probably go with. Have you ever heard the name Alexandra Denario before? <laughs> Denario. <laughs> yeah, me neither. We'll, uh, we'll see, because, uh, as usual, the wheel decides. She was, in, she was in San Andreas with The Rock. She's also in Hall Pass. Stop uh, yes, trying to sell yes. this trick um, to me. Kyle, if the wheel decides her, I'm going to be upset, is what I'm trying to say. She was in the recent remake of uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, too. Yeah. All right, so uh, the wheel will decide. That's usually how this goes. Next podcast is going to hit on December 17th. Uh, our, our favorite film teacher, Dan Craig, is going to be making his return to the pod to join hey. us for that one. So excited to have Dan with us to talk uh, whichever of those five actors we just discussed. All right, so as usual, you can catch us on Twitter. You can find us Munson's at Movies. You can find us on Instagram at Munson's at the Movies. You can email us Munson's at the Movies at gmail.com. Any final thoughts from the Munson's? Now, I am going to go on, and if you want to try and stop me, bring it on. Because I am good at three things. Fighting, screwing, and reading the news. Now, I've already done one of those today, so what's the other one going to be, huh? Alright, Munson's out. <sighs> Alright, let's go. Thank you for the education, gentlemen. We've just received a PhD in stupidity. Doctor, shall we?